podcast that explores the logic behind physiological birth practices and is a production of the Indie Birth Association and IndieBirth.com. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Well Actually with me, Margot Blackstone. Today, I have a special guest, and I'll let her introduce herself here in a moment. Um, I'm really excited about today's show. We are going to be talking about self-care in pregnancy and sort of all that that entails, and we're going to be talking with a really experienced and wise mama, So welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks, Marga. And how do you pronounce your last name? Because I say it one way in my head, but I don't know that it's right. You kind of slur it together. It's just Giovi. All right. So welcome to Amy Giovi. I probably didn't say that right still. But um, I'm really excited to have you here. And maybe you could just tell us um, like a brief... Uh, intro about yourself, just a little bit, because we're going to get into a lot more uh, just in a little while here. Well, I am a mom of six, soon to be seven, and I've lost four babies, and I've gone pretty much, not totally the whole span of birth, but I've done hospital whistle intervention, um, not C-sections, but many other things, all the way to unassisted births. Wonderful. Um, I'm currently working in birth. My first one, I think, was eight, eight or nine, almost nine years ago, but I have gone slowly. <laughs> it hasn't been something where I've jumped in and it's like 20 or 40 in a year. So. Yeah, sounds similar to the way it's been for me, too. So you are an apprentice or a student midwife, you would call yourself? You know, I don't know what to call myself. I haven't signed up for any school, but it's been something where I've bought different um, textbooks and lots of other things that I've been interested in and just jumped into conferences when I could. When I could. Uh, so I'm a student of life and birth, but not necessarily like a school right now. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. So. We chatted a little bit um, in the last week about what we were going to talk about today. Um, I'm hoping to have lots of different guests on in the coming weeks and months because I really like doing podcasts in this way as opposed to me talking solo. Um, Marin's really good at that. Um, I'm not as good at that. <laughs> so um, I've had some awesome people say that they're willing to help me out and come on and share their wisdom and chat with me. And so um, in the last week when Amy and I have been talking, uh, we just, you know, um, had a discussion about, you know, your interests and your passions. And so we sort of came up with this idea to just talk about it's, and not just talk about it, it's kind of like one of the biggest topics, really, um, self-care and pregnancy. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk about that since, you know, you do work with other women and then you've also had many of your own experiences. And, um, and of course, you're savvy to all of the, the things, at least that I think are important, um, and that, you know, holistic midwifery probably would agree is important, the holistic midwifery world. Um, so, you know, it's something that we spend a lot of time on 
prenatally with women, and I think it's the number one job of every pregnant woman and pregnant person. So, um, yeah, it's a huge topic, and so hopefully we can just get some really awesome golden nuggets from you and talk about, you know, what that looks like. Um, We have a workshop that we do, Maren and I, occasionally on on the weekends for different groups. Uh, We haven't done it too many times, but when we have, it's been really fun. We call it DIOI, prenatal care, uh, and that's really the focus of of that whole weekend workshop. So we won't be able to obviously spend a whole weekend on this, but um, I think this will be an awesome addition to the resources we have out there for people who are trying to take responsibility for their pregnancies and births. So that's enough out of me. Uh, I was wondering if you would just share a little, I mean, not a little bit, um, a good amount, hopefully, about your experiences in past pregnancies with self-care and how it's really changed. Um, Obviously, you've got a lot of experience, so however you want to frame that is great. And, um, yeah, so maybe how did it start out for you? What did self-care look like in your first few pregnancies? I'd like to acknowledge that we all do self-care, whether you think you're under someone else's care or not. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing it the whole time. I just didn't realize. I didn't realize that I was responsible for it or that I should be looking into what I should be doing. Um, so no matter what, I think a lot of the hard part of self-care for me boils down well, I'm not sure if it did for the first couple pregnancies, but at least from the third or fourth on, um, it boils down to making sure that I am actually taking care of myself as far as eating all my meals and trying to eat well and getting sleep because those are the toughest things for me. Um, so... I don't know, with Noah and Francesca, like I said, I was doing different things, but I didn't take good care of myself, and I didn't really, I thought that I'd do fine because I had vegetables every night at dinner. But <laughs> my views have changed on that since then. Um, with Gigi, she was my third birth. So I had three miscarriages, and then I had Noah, and then I had Francesca 14 months later, and then I had Gigi, and there was a miscarriage in between Francesca and Giovanna, and they're 21 months apart. Mm -hmm. So that's when a lot of changes took place in my life, and I started doing different things that I found to be healthier, just because I had people that asked me about this and talked to me about it, and I'm like, what do you mean I'm supposed to be doing that? Why are you saying that? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't always have a great, great attitude about it. It's like, well, why can you say that that's bad, you know? Yeah. Like, sure. So anyways, um, I learned a lot during her pregnancy. Um, I just started purposely adding in certain foods, which meant like once a week trying to do my baked potato and uh, to have green goodness drink mm. uh, every every lunch, I think it was, like eight ounces or something like that at every lunch, mm-hmm. and trying to hit different, yeah, uh, my seventh pregnancy, 
Third child. Okay, got it. Yeah, third child, seventh pregnancy. Um, so I started realizing that there were certain things that I needed to try to hit. And I started adding in stuff and kind of taking out some things. Like if I was going to make cookies, I would still use sugar. But for other things, I would use honey. Or I would um, drive and get raw milk. That's when we started raw milk. So I had different things of that sort that I started changing. Yeah. And I transferred care at 30 weeks from an OB's office that had a midwife also to um, a midwife in the area. I was thinking I wanted to do, I kind of saw a birthing center as a medium option. Like I didn't have to be so out there, but Mm -hmm. there was something else I could choose. But that didn't work out because I really didn't want to spend an hour and a half or more on the road. So I ended up doing a home birth at that point. Awesome. I Um, learned about, like, positioning and starting to hear the heart tones with her pregnancy, too. That's awesome. My question was going to be, so what, what helped you make those changes, or how did you come across the information that made you want to make those changes? It really had all to do about the people that I stumbled upon. Um, in Francesca, shortly after her birth, my second child's birth, I started going to the Lecha League because it was close to the house and I got out once a week, once a month. And I was like, oh, there's different people and I'm okay with my choices and they're okay with theirs. But when I learned about I don't even know what to say. When I learned about a myriad of things, (laughs) I started changing my mind. Mm -hmm. So it was about the people that I knew and what I was exposed to. Yeah, that's super neat to hear, just the different ways that people come across these things. So it sounded like you learned about, um, like, the brewer diet maybe around that time? Yes. Okay. Um, It wasn't until late, like, uh... 20-something weeks. But, yeah, that's when I learned about it and started making those choices. And what sort of difference did you notice or not or a combination of the two? <laughs> um, as far as diet goes or just with the birth in general? Um, just, like, how did, how did it change how you felt during that pregnancy? Um, but maybe it was pretty late in the pregnancy when you started you know, as far as diet, I don't know how I felt differently. I still felt kind of disconnected mm-hmm. and like I just didn't know what was happening or who this person was and how it was all going to turn out. But I felt like, whatever, we're going to try this and if it doesn't work, I can always just go to the hospital. Like mm-hmm. I just had a a mindset of a fallback plan. Yeah. Um. As far as how I felt, I remember I hated going, but I liked it. At the same time, I started taking belly dancing classes. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, this is a workout, and I get really tired. But it was nice to leave every week. And I would also get a chance to, it just felt good afterwards. Mm-hmm. But I hated having to get up from my nap and go. <laughs> yeah. 
So, okay, so that was, you said, your third um, child's pregnancy. Yes. Okay, so then the next pregnancy, what was that like starting from the beginning sort of with more of that knowledge? It was great starting out with more knowledge. And I had gained a lot in between the pregnancies. Um, these two are almost my furthest apart part. They're 22 months. Mm-hmm. Um, Gigi and Vincent. And when I was pregnant with him, I had just, I had learned a lot in between. I had a better idea of where to go for information and that I wanted to learn things. I had more specific views on birth that I was like, well, I need to find someone. I wasn't content to go with just the person that I had used before because I felt like I had very specific ideas of the type of person and care that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I had that available, so I ended up doing it alone, doing it unassisted. And uh, I think... As far as my self-care, it was still nutrition stuff. Um, I did, like, all the things that I thought were the right things that I remember doing with midwives or doctors as far as keeping records. Okay. And I wanted to be really diligent to make sure that I had all of these records in case of something happening to prove that I was a fit parent still because I felt like I'm stepping on this ledge and... How does anyone know that I really care for my baby if I'm doing this? <laughs> so um, I just felt like I I wanted to have a lot recorded and to know what was going on and to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And so I did all the things like, I don't know, the pianist dick, the measurements, the... Like, I mean, fundal height measurements and heart tones recording and averaging them out. And I just kind of, like, I read through Holistic Midwifery, Volume 1 and 2, Mm -hmm. um, and as well as other things. Yeah. Um, Like, I feel like (laughs) I've done it with every pregnancy except for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Birthing from within, um, that helped me, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It didn't take away pain, <laughs> but it helped me, like, deal with things emotionally better. And uh, I, like, calculated the due date every way that I could find, and then I averaged them together. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I feel like I was like, I am on top of this, and I am doing everything. Yeah. Um, we did the neonatal resuscitation training, and then my husband took the class with um, Karen Strange when we went to a birth conference. Wow. So we went to a birth conference to prepare. So I feel like that pregnancy was like, uh, I almost want to say stringent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was on it. You were on it. I was just doing all this stuff and read childbirth and authoritative knowledge and gentle birth and gentle mothering, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. it was it was really big and deep into it and like, <laughs> this is what we're doing. And still, I mean, to a degree, the plan is always, if things aren't right, we're going to the hospital, you know? Right. It's not like, no matter what, we're staying at home, we're going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But 
I felt like a strong need to be really prepared. That's awesome. So for you in that pregnancy, it sounds like part of the self-care was just doing lots of of this preparation. And, right. You know, taking full responsibility for the process and um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot to take on. Yeah, it really was a lot of work. And while I read about everything, like I read through Volume 2 of Holistic Midwifery, like that's gigantic and there are way too many crazy things you could get caught up in totally. worrying about. But I wasn't doing that. Like I would research the heck out of anything that I was like, I really need to know about this. And then I just read the rest. Right. And so that's kind of my suggestion to lots of women when they're like, but I'm worried about this happening. Like, well, then read a lot about it and figure out what your plan of action would be and the likelihood of things happening and, you know, take yeah. a good look at it and think, do you want to do this? Are you going to be able to take this on? What is your plan going to be? Yeah. I think we, you know, we encourage people um, to do that even when they're going to have a midwife there just because, you know, it's it's this feeling of, you know, the giving away of the responsibility and is that safe in any situation? Uh, and I think it's it's not, you know, whether it's because your labor goes really fast and you end up not having someone there that you had planned on having there or um, what's the example that we usually use with this? Um, you know, even just the neonatal resuscitation, that sort of thing, you know, what to look for and have at least a basic knowledge so that they're not giving away that power in those moments. Oh, the the example we use a lot in, in our course is, um, you know, when it comes time to birth the placenta. And, you know, people ask almost every time we have an interview, uh, you know, what, what, do, what do we do if I'm bleeding too much? What if I have a postpartum hemorrhage? And the conversation always goes back to the beginning of, well, do you know how your placenta is born? And, you know, 99% of women don't. And so, you know, I think it's as simple as that sometimes, just taking back that knowledge um, of these things that we we should know and would know if we were all going to our sister's births and our mother's births as little girls and um, family members' births, you know, we would see that that's what happened. We would know that that's what happened. And, and knowing that and taking responsibility for that and not expecting someone else to take care of it is the first first step in safety. Not that every mom needs to know how to, you know, handle true emergencies necessarily. But, right. um, yeah, I think that knowledge is just so important for anyone. So that's awesome that you did that. <laughs> So the next pregnancy uh, with Theophilus, I loosened up. I kept some records of things that I felt were more important. And I only calculated the due date two ways. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I did blood work on my own, but not so much. Mm -hmm. um, I did do on and off charting, not consistent charting of my, like, food and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing muscle response testing with our doctors, Elm Hagen, and 
I think blood pressure was something that for some reason felt more important to me to watch this pregnancy. And so I think that was a bigger thing that I was on top of. I would do like once a month visits with myself instead of like <laughs> really often, you know. Yeah. But I still read through the holistic midwifery of volume one and two and gentle birth and gentle mothering again and I don't think I did a training for neonatal resuscitation again, but my husband did. Mm-hmm. That was for your fifth birth? Yeah, my fifth child, yeah. Cool. Um, I know when we were talking a little bit in the last week, and maybe you were about to say more about this, um, just the importance of rest, because I feel like we've touched a little bit on the eating but I'd like to talk more about that, too. But um, how has that changed over the pregnancies and being able to find time to get rest? And how much do you have you found that you need? And um, just talking a little bit about that. I have really high rest needs. Mm-hmm. Um, to my estimation, anyway. And I don't know what other people are, <laughs> but I feel like, I need to be in bed by like 9.30 or 10 and just barely get up by 7.30 to get my husband to work at 8 Mm -hmm. and then take a three-hour nap in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's um, something that I did well with Giovanna. I did off and on with Vincent and then Theophilus, I don't remember doing much napping. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. as I got to be more kids and figuring out like how to make it work mm-hmm. became harder Yeah. Um, I know that in the last trimester it becomes like hugely important yeah. um, for us and so with Enoch's I know that I did it in the last trimester um, it's really hard especially being like okay, now you're going to lay on this side of Dad's bed and you're going to lay on the floor next to Dad's bed and you're going to lay on the floor next to Mom's bed. And you know just like, where am I going to put them all and then try to get them to be quiet so I can sleep. Yeah. Um, But it really was super important for me, even though the house definitely didn't stay clean. (laughs) So what were some strategies that have worked, um, you know, in the past or in this pregnancy to find a way to do that in the afternoons for you? Mainly uh, having them have different library books or specific things that they're allowed to do during that time. As they won't, like, as they hit, like, three or four, they start not sleeping, even if you're right there in bed with them. Right. That's my experience. Um, And... Coordinating the baby, I always seem to have a baby that's around a year, headed to two years mm-hmm. in that range. Um, so trying to coordinate them sleeping first and then get everyone else to lay down. So them having, the older kids having a special thing that they're allowed to look at library books or something during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, as they've gotten older, I've let our older two out of my room. And, like, they have their lists that they're supposed to complete. Mm. And so 10 and 8, she'll be 9 soon. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds like you've got a system working for you. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's been working. And then for some reason, I feel like, oh, it doesn't work when I have a new baby. Mm -hmm. um, that I need to figure out. And maybe it's just my lack of feeling like I need it as much to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have had sleep challenges with just my one, so <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. It's hard, and yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like if we, I mean, so many things I feel like could be remedied by going back to a different way of living, just more with more people around and more helping hands and right. That sort of thing where you could have your <clears throat> sister. People have offered to come over and take my kids outside, but then I find it's harder to sleep with them running around in the front yard. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, it's hard to sleep. I think it's hard to relax and sleep anytime that you aren't completely alone. I mean, that's what it's like for me, at least. Like, oh, she could, you know, the baby could wake up at any moment, so I can't even bring myself to try to fall asleep. When she naps, because <laughs> I'll be so disappointed when she wakes up 45 minutes later or something. Um, it's hard to be dependent on someone else doing something in order for you to sleep, I think, let alone six other people. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very impressed that you've um, carved out that time at least sometimes and made that a priority, because I think so many people... I feel like we've seen, we've worked with women who definitely need the rest and aren't making it a priority and, you know, just sort of have a harder time because of it. I just you know? know how exhausted and depleted I get. And then I'm not as nice either, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a lot more cranky with them. So Totally. It's it's better all around, really, but yes. it can be really difficult to make happen, and so I have to reach a certain level of exhaustion before I do that. Right. So I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about um, what it looks like, what nutrition looks like in your self-care plan, like if you have something specific you do or certain things, like you mentioned um you know, raw milk and your baked potato a week and that sort of thing, um, if that's what you're doing still in this current pregnancy and um, any other insights you might have for people because I feel like that's when we're working with people, um, it feels like that's around 80% of the job or so, maybe a little less, but... Um, and I don't think a lot of women understand that and and sometimes get a little maybe annoyed with us for asking all the time what they're eating. And uh, it's a sensitive topic, you know. There's just so much disordered eating among women and really everyone in our culture. And so I think it can be a tricky thing to talk about. But I was hoping you could share just sort of your approach since um, I think it would be one for people to hear. <laughs> well, I am not quite sure what to say to that. The brewer diet is 
80 to 100 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a triad of making sure you have the right fluids, not necessarily water, um, which I think was something that a lot of people push is like, drink the water, drink the water, but sometimes you really need the nutrient-dense milk or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I like doing a pregnancy tea and milk. Um, For your fluids. Right. Mm-hmm. Not the only thing, but yeah, I like to have those. Yeah. Um, and the salt. Mm-hmm. Like salting everything with, I use the pink Himalayan or the real salt brand. Um, so those are big. And I feel like I could easily focus on just having, like trying to get the meats and the cheeses and uh, those things that I like and enjoy for trying to get up to 80 to 100 grams of protein. So for me, sometimes it's like, Pay attention, you haven't had your kiwi, like you haven't done any red, or like any uh, orange vegetable or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it can be helpful to have a chart. However, in this pregnancy, it's definitely something that I struggle with, have struggled with. I just, I don't want anything to do with planning meals. Mm-hmm. Like if someone could hand me food all the time yeah. and eat it, I'd be fine. Mirrors that exact same thing to me this week. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like, someone just give me food and I'll eat it. But I don't, like, even if I feel like I've had a taste for something and I make myself, like, this steak and quinoa and some vegetables, it's like, I'll start out thinking I really want this. By the time it's done, it's like, I don't want it to eat. Mm-hmm. So... It's been a struggle, um, but I think it really started when, I don't know how people manage things in pregnancy, but I just had a lot going on this fall, and I don't remember all of what happened, but something happened, and then we went camping for 10 days, and we came back for five days, and then we went to New York for my brother's wedding, and came back, and it was just a lot of everything really quickly and there was like emotional trouble and my son fell off his bike and got hurt. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there was just a lot of things going on and in that time is when I started feeling really sick and like nauseous and um, throwing up sometimes during the day Mm -hmm. and like dragging along exhausted. And I'm sure that that had to do with my nutritional state. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm quite sure I've come back a lot from that, um, but it's taking weeks. Weeks of, like, forcing myself to eat and getting a lot of sleep to address that. Mm -hmm. And I've also uh, started sending lists to a friend who's a midwifery student of, like, what I'm eating for accountability and sometimes it's really frustrating (laughs) it's like I know this is bad like she's like Amy you're not eating this and I think you need to 
pay attention to getting more nutritional foods in your diet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm already trying to come back. I know that it's bad. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, I think it, the accountability is so helpful, at least sometimes. I mean, if it's, like, totally stressing someone out, I don't think it's great. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, writing, I don't know if you found this to be true, but just writing it down can help shed so much light on the areas that need more focus and um, can just sort of help you see see what's really happening as opposed to what's happening in your head. And sometimes it means that you're doing things um, maybe better than you thought to. I don't know if that's been your experience. but <laughs> Maybe at different points in different pregnancies. <laughs> yeah. So you started feeling, so you had a bunch of stressful stuff going on. Was that in your first trimester then? I... No, this was second beginning of third trimester. Oh, okay. Just this fall. We've had, like, some family issues with extended family, and we went camping for 10 days, and that's really stressful, <laughs> like, to get everything together and pack and have meals. And, yeah. Um, I didn't pack well for, I mean, I packed so that we all ate three meals a day, but I didn't pack well for what I really needed to be eating. Right. I packed for, like, what was good and convenient to make over a fire and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So in an ideal day, like, what makes you feel the best? Like, how many meals and snacks does that look like for you? If you're shooting for if a... If I were just going to, like, okay. I think that it changes because I don't like to have the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> right. But there are some things that... Um, in different pregnancies, like, have been my go-to. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, I have, like, gotten burnt out on eggs each time. Mm-hmm. And so one way that I've gotten my eggs in is by blending raw milk with eggs and some vanilla and cocoa powder and maple syrup. Yeah. And so if I'm making myself this delicious chocolate drink, mm-hmm. I will drink it, you know? Yes. It'd be like two or three cups of milk blended with the three eggs and stuff. And I felt like, oh, well, I just got my eggs in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've liked that. I really like the baked potatoes if I do broccoli and salt and butter. Mm-hmm. I really like doing that. Um, or grilled sandwiches. For some reason... Not peanut butter and jelly, but most other sandwiches. Like if I'm doing a turkey sandwich with lettuce and tomatoes and avocado and cheese, it's so much better grilled. It is so much better. That's a great idea. And then you're adding butter to it too. Yeah. (laughs) Like even more fat, I can work that down. Yeah. That's a great. I had not thought of that one. It's more tasty. And my husband has actually come to, like, what do you want to eat? I don't want to grill a sandwich for you. (laughs) (laughs) He's super helpful and supportive. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But But there have been many times I've been like, will you make me this grilled sandwich? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, how about we do something different? Yes. Um, I'm trying to think. So what other – so it's been different for you at different points in pregnancy. You're saying, like – 
you know, the eggs or the protein itself, you know, being hard to reach or the vitamin C foods. And for anyone who's listening and isn't familiar with the Brewer Diet, um, we have lots of different sources on our site, and then there's a whole website you can read more about the Brewer Diet at. Um, and so hopefully, if you're if you're unfamiliar with what we're talking about, you can go check that out and maybe listen some more afterwards or however you want to do it. But there's lots of awesome information, and um, we have posts, and Marin has podcasts too, and that sort of thing. So um, don't don't uh, skip learning more about it if you haven't learned a little yet. Um, but so I was saying, um, has there been something that's consistently been a challenge for you or something that's consistently been not a challenge for you as far as like getting getting those categories in? I love dairy. Me too. <laughs> that is never really a problem for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if I can drink milk and eat cheese and cottage cheese, like oh yeah. Sour cream. Mm. Yeah, sour cream, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like dairy and I like Mexican and so those things are just never really a concern. Yeah. So which ones have been more consistently difficult for you? We said the eggs for sure. Yeah, I feel like I have become a lot more of an egg connoisseur. I'm more picky about eggs. <laughs> I'm more picky about where I get them from. I'm more picky about what they look like and the texture when they're done cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I like my husband to make eggs for me. <laughs> Not everyone is as spoiled as me. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah, I like them to make them for me because I know that they consistently turn out better than mine. Mm. Um, so sometimes I'll just have to change it up. Yeah. Um, eggs are a struggle because I feel like it's one of those things that you're always supposed to have. It's not, there aren't as many, like, sub-ins for. Right. Totally. It's sort of a a chore. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say no matter where I am on the diet, it's made a big difference doing the nutritional response testing and having that supplement. Mm. As long as I take it consistently, it has been a big help. Say more about that because I don't think I know about that. Hmm. It's applied kinesiology. Uh, am I saying that right? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, and so he'll test to see, like, um, what, how my organs are, what organ might be weak, and then look to see what supplement I might be asking for. So they're food-based supplements, like one right now has a lot of okra. Um, and so... There's that, and then if your body's trying to clear things or you're sick or something, there may be um, homeopathic tinctures mm-hmm. so to help clear. But I just have consistently felt better. I hate taking pills. I don't like the whole idea kind of turns me off to taking pills, even if they're supposed to be supplement pills, which are supposed to be better than taking Tylenol or something. Right. I just have an aversion in my head. Sure. Um, but 
I do consistently feel better if I keep up on that. Interesting. I feel like I'll have to learn more about that. <laughs> it's something that we liked, yeah. The last, I think we did that during Vincent's pregnancy. Cool. Awesome. Um, do you have any other tips and tricks? I feel like the thing that we see people struggle with. I, okay, I would say the main thing we see people struggle with is eating enough, which we've talked a little bit about. Um, and then the second thing I feel like people seem to struggle with is getting enough uh, vegetables. So do you mm-hmm. have any tricks to doing that? that you would if they're to? there, and especially if they're cut up ahead of time, it makes a difference. Mm. Um, so I am lucky enough to have kids who really like to cut. Like all big four kids are like, what can I cut? Can I have a knife too? So <laughs> that's great as long as you don't care too much what they look like. Right. Um, I'm not going to be too specific. So having, like after you buy it, like paying attention to the like, this different type of things that you need to have around. And I like dips, um, like hummus or... Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to do a, what's it called? Artichoke Parmesan spinach dip. Okay. For and I felt like, oh, so I'm getting veggies in my dip and I'm getting cheese, which is a plus for me. Yeah. You know? Um, so I haven't done an avocado dip. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure that would be good, too. Yeah, that's a good suggestion to doing raw veggies with different yummy dips. That's yeah, and then if, the dips make it more fun for some reason. Oh, yeah. To me. It makes it taste better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I found for myself, I'm I am a notoriously picky eater. Like, I when I first started dating my husband, he was sort of shocked. Like, I have the, had the palate of, like, a, you know, a two-year-old. I think some two-year-olds have better taste than I did, even at that point. Um, and I wouldn't eat any. I mean, I just have had to make myself eat veggies. And, and I feel like um, in pregnancy, you know, knowing that I needed more fats and butter and all that yummy stuff, sort of gave me more permission to just slather things with butter, which definitely mm-hmm. helps me at least, like steamed broccoli with tons of butter on it or... Right. Yeah, I did a lot of that. And then for me, I I really like the, um, like, microgreens, like okay. super, super tiny sprouts. Um, and I would just, like, take a handful and shove them in my mouth before eating a meal <laughs> because okay. I wanted to, like, get it over with. Um, and so people make fun of me. But uh, I so I, I like to say that I'm a testament to the fact that even people who hate vegetables can still find a way, at least, you know, when it's really important to to do that, to actually get them, get them in. I like the sprouts on sandwiches, like a turkey sandwich. Yeah. Obviously, right. I like turkey sandwiches. That's come up a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I think this pregnancy in general has been like turkey sandwiches. The um, 
But um, I do like sprouts on that. And then I don't know the difference in nutrition-wise, but my husband really likes to grow and um, juice, what's it called, the grass, wheatgrass. Oh, yeah. And that tastes really good to me. Yeah, I just great. have an aversion to growing it and what window is it going to be by and what kid's going to step in it. <laughs> I just, I'm more like, this doesn't sit well with our life, but I enjoy the outcome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, yummy. So do you just do like shots of it sort of? or Yeah. Your, yeah. Uh, I don't take it as a shot because I enjoy drinking it. But yeah. just, you know, small amounts at a time, just drinking it. Mm-hmm. We have a... And that's an on and off thing. It's not yeah. a consistent thing for yeah. us. Yeah. We have a place in town here in Sedona that, um, it's like an organic um, eatery of sorts, and they, I don't think it's on their menu, or at least not anymore, but I used to really like getting the wheatgrass shot in with my like, organic ginger lemonade. Hmm. That was my, like, favorite thing, favorite treat for a while when I was pregnant. <laughs> so, I, don't, I mean, they used, I think, honey. Yeah, it was honey-sweetened lemonade, and so it felt like a yummy treat. Um, right. I'm trying to think what other questions I have for you. Sounds like You asked me about what challenges in pregnancy... Sure. And so I think this one, I've been disconnected again. Like, it's been a confusing pregnancy and really humbling for me. Mm. Because I felt like I ramped up and I knew all this stuff, and then it's not working the same. Yeah. What is this kid going to be like? (laughs) Um, And earlier on, I thought that I'd lose this one, too. I don't know why. Mm. But it got me thinking about my losses. And I haven't. I mean, I don't. I have not found dates at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I guess I felt really unsure about what's happening and where am I and whatever. And it was hard for me to think through it when I wasn't finding heart tones, when I usually had definitely been finding heart tones, like, mm-hmm. should I go get an ultrasound? Am I really pregnant? And David's like, you're looking awful pregnant, and we can feel we can feel fundus. Mm-hmm. And so it's great to have such a supportive husband that when I'm like, maybe we should just do an ultrasound, he's like, Amy, do you really want to do this? Do I need to tell you why? So <laughs> it's really helpful to have that. that um, but I think it is, I already said it, just really humbling and kind of confusing walking through it. Yeah. So do you attribute that to um, maybe, like, the state of your life at this moment or the personality of this baby or what do you think? I am not through it yet. I usually do think do better looking mm-hmm. back later and figuring right. things out. I am really not very good at at figuring things out while I'm going through them. Totally. So what have you, what are some things you've done to sort of help with that feeling of confusion and disconnection? Is there anything that's been most well, helpful? It, or? 
it has helped for sure just coming to terms and saying, like, this is what I believe about my body, that I was made to do this, and that I didn't lose the baby. Um, I feel lots of movement, and I can find heart tones just fine now, even though that part's been confusing, too, Mm -hmm. at times. Um, And without having sound dates, just recognizing that as long as I am striving to be healthy, um, and there's not any big signs that says something's wrong to me, um, that whenever I do go into labor is when I go into labor and this baby comes. So it may be a much wider idea than what most people would say is okay or they would be comfortable with. I've come to terms with, like, okay, and somewhere in this next month and a half time, (laughs) I'm expecting to have a baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. It can be frustrating because of conversations with other people. I think if no one asked a lot of questions about those things, and if I hadn't set myself up as, like, a person to talk to about this stuff, (laughs) then it wouldn't matter as much, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah, that can be really hard. Um, Well, that sounds like it's been such an interesting journey for you. Um, And I'll be curious. Maybe we can do another another chat after you've had your baby. (laughs) Yeah. What you think looking back. Um, Yeah. Are there any other, like, trying to think... You know, when we do our DIY prenatal care class, we talk about sort of all the different ways that self-care can look and self-prenatal care looks. And, you know, we talk about community and social support and faith and spirituality and um, what else? You know, it's obviously like the physical, which we've talked a lot about, and, you know, emotional support, that sort of thing. So if you have anything else you wanted to say, like in any of those categories, it sort of feels funny to even call them categories, but um, just about your your experience with, you know, your own care, maybe for this pregnancy, when that's come up, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say. I think I've <laughs> built a good system of other people who have similar beliefs about birth and that fill in a role of community to a degree. Like, I feel some people are just completely alone. Mm -hmm. And that has to be really hard. And while in some ways I do feel alone, like, I tend to be more extreme than some of them, um, at the same time, I do have connections and they have an idea of who I am and what I expect. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like, okay, sit and talk through this with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so having the community, like the last pregnancy was really amazing afterwards, like the huge help that we got um, in the postpartum period and 
meals for like not every day, like spread out every other day, every third day thing, but mm-hmm. two or three weeks long, and I would not give up a pregnancy community for anything. Like that's amazing to have. Yeah. And then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna ask. So, are you you're in the same community this time? Yes. Okay. I am. Um, I feel like the community kind of changes as people either move or as people focus on different things. Totally. But, yes, I'm in the same place. Mm-hmm. And still lead the same group and stuff like that. Cool. So, um, and spiritually... I don't know, we've gone through changes there, so I haven't really examined any of that. I don't really know how to piece things together, like comparing it with the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that it's opened, this group has opened uh, different ideas and people to me, and that's always something that's really interesting and I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And... I guess I was going to say I feel spiritually connected to this baby, although I'm very di- connected, disconnected in other ways, mm. which I don't know if that makes sense even to say. Well, but that's I what came to mind. Makes sense. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just such an interesting topic. Um, you know, I feel like I experienced something similar personally with my daughter's pregnancy, um, you know, and after working with lots of women and not having had a baby myself, you know, I sort of had an expectation going into it that, like, oh, like, all these women either were super connected or, you know, it seemed that way to me. And then when it came to be my turn, I was sort of like, well, what am I doing wrong? Because, <laughs> like, I I didn't feel that way. And um, really, I didn't until after she was born, you know, and for me, I chalk it up a lot, at least, to, uh, I think, somewhat her personality, but also, um, you know, I'd had two miscarriages before having her, and I think there was just a level of emotional protection that it it sort of mm-hmm. was functioning as. So it can be, I think it can be really challenging when you don't feel that way. Um, I'm sure it's a different set of challenges when you've had pregnancies where you did feel that way. And, you know, this isn't your first rodeo, <laughs> um, so to speak. So, yeah, I can imagine that that's challenging. And um, I bet it looks a lot of different ways. So I think it's interesting to hear you say that. So if I heard you correctly, you said you feel like you are spiritually connected to the baby, but not in other ways. Is that what you said? Yeah, somehow. Sure. That's Spiritual and emotional seem to be like a disconnect. Um, disconnect. Yeah. Mm. The spiritual and emotional seem to be a disconnect. And the... Um, I have never, except for one pregnancy where I was wrong, known if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And it seems like so many people have. And they're just like, oh, and I knew it was going to be a little girl. or You know what I mean? Yeah. And we haven't done anything to try to find out. Um with any of these home births. Yeah. Uh, but I think 
sometimes I have felt like, who are you and why won't you tell me? <laughs> yeah, totally. And be like, why do these other people know and I don't know? And <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people tell me, well, I've had some people say that I'm having a girl because of, I guess, the way I present myself to them or something. And then right. uh, some other people, like random people at dinners or strangers in the store, are like, oh, my girl, you are having a boy. Look at that stomach. <laughs> like, and I always ask my husband, I think it annoys him, but I'm always like, what are we having? Yeah. Take a guess. I mean, it's like, it's a boy or a girl, but I don't know. I'm like, I know. I just want you to guess. I don't want you to know. <laughs> just guess. And I think I've said this to Stephanie pregnancy, so he's really probably sick of it. But I just well, want your opinion, because you're the closest to me, and you should have an opinion. Sure. <laughs> That's really funny. I feel like I have similar conversations with my husband, too. I would also try and make him feel the baby a lot, and he got really, mm-hmm. he got really sick of it. He's <laughs> like, I feel, I feel your stomach. I don't feel anything else. <laughs> like, no, this is a foot. This is the, this is the head. Isn't that so amazing? And he's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, at different times, like he's been good about it and been like, okay, you're concerned about this. I'm going to feel and tell you what I think. That's cool. You know, and he'll do it for like a week every day. Yeah. And then be like, no, you're fine. (laughs) But every morning it's like, when I get out the fetoscope and listen to heart tones and try to figure out positioning, and the positioning has been weird too. I feel like that's part of the humbling part. It's like, Mm -hmm. how many times have I done this? How many times have people like asked me, what do you think? I can't figure it out. And then I feel and I'm like, well, this kind of seems like a head because it moves this way. Or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I give tips and they're like, yeah, okay, that's good. But why, like, it's most most other pregnancies, it's felt like, well, this is easier because I can feel on the inside and the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, it's easier doing it to myself than to, doing it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. But... Not in this pregnancy. Like, figuring out positioning has been harder for me, so. Interesting. I don't know. Hmm. Well, that brings up a good point, and my, I think one of my last questions here was, you know, how has it been different in your experience working with women, um, helping them sort of navigate this this area of self-care and pregnancy, um, versus, you know, working sort of with yourself, like you said, sitting down and having your own prenatal visit with yourself once a month. <laughs> right. Well, other people are easier in the way that I can direct the information or throw different things at and see what sticks and see what appeals to them. Mm-hmm. Um other people are easier in a way that when um, I don't have the same sense of responsibility in a way. Um, right. Yeah, I don't even know a better way to describe it than that. So I just don't have the same sense of responsibility. Um, I can be helpful and kind and try to help direct 
but a lot of it just falls on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be frustrating working with other people because sometimes I'll suggest something a couple times and I'm like, why aren't they doing it? Mm-hmm. There's not a change. <laughs> um, so that's not having good boundaries myself then. Sure. But um, I think overall, sometimes I might be quicker to go to, like, this is what you need to do because it's what's worked for me. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to make changes in your life than others because you just don't have that control. But it's also, um, it's hard in your own life for me. It's hard in my own life to be like, okay, now I'm going to put more of a schedule down in my life and this is how things are going to go because I need to accomplish more sleep and eating better and so that means I need to have this meal plan ahead of time to Mm -hmm. have the things around that I want from the grocery store Mm -hmm. and then to follow through. Um, So I know that that can be really difficult. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the easier said than done thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's been my experience as well, just that, you know, having a couple of years of experience working with other people before it being me, well, I think really helped set me up with an excellent idea of what it was going to be like, which I wish every person had going into their first pregnancy, um, since it helped, like, eliminate a lot of the stumbling blocks that I see for other people. But, um, but yeah, I feel like it's it's really, I mean, it's almost silly to say, but it's, like, kind of fun when there's challenges presented <laughs> by other people, like, oh, I'm not getting enough of this, what can I do? And um, it's really fun to troubleshoot, for me at least, and, you know, have your little list of things to try. And, um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why I say, different. like, throwing things at them and see what sticks, you know? Yeah. They're like, we'll do this, we'll do that. Well, well what yeah. about this? Do, what do you think that, about that? <laughs> yeah, and having that fresh perspective of, like, you don't really know what they've tried maybe, so you just kind of give them the whole list, and it always feels really, I mean, it's just fun, I think, to work with people in that way. And then um, for myself, it was really nice to have someone like Marin who I could talk to or other friends to sort of do the same thing for me because it's just so hard when you're in it and it's just you and you're like, well, I've tried that before and then, you know, you think, well, but I haven't tried it lately. So maybe I'll, you know, like things that you even maybe already knew about but didn't seem to try necessarily. Yeah, I'm not as likely to look things up in this pregnancy anyways. I'm not as likely to look things up for myself anymore. Right. Yeah. Totally. I think it's so beneficial, like you said, just even having someone to send your, you know, food log to or, yeah, just someone you can chat with or, you know, like our indie birth group online just to throw stuff out there and um, just get ideas from other people because it can be hard when you're in the midst of it, especially if it's something like morning sickness or you're not feeling good. Right. It can be really hard to, to sort of get the energy to even try and come up with ideas. So It's also really interesting, like, 
I kind of like doing a prenatal with the midwife mm-hmm. for somewhat, I mean, sometimes it can be really helpful birth-wise and stuff um, and being familiar with them. But it's also helpful hearing different people's suggestions. Yeah. So, and sometimes I don't like the suggestions and whatever. Sure. That's correct. Like, no, right? I don't think I'd do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. But there's, it's just interesting hearing other ideas too. Yeah. And getting an idea of what they would say or do. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, like, respect women who don't, talk to anybody about anything during pregnancy. I mean, I don't think there really are many of those because I think even those people probably talk to their friends and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I think even among, like, the unassisted birth world, I feel like that's something I like to to people know is just it's it's going back to that community thing, really, on some level, for if you're communicating with people who have some level of knowledge and expertise like we would have had in a sort of village setting. Just um, feel really supportive, I think, to have someone just hear where you're at, your struggles, and give you their perspective, and just know that someone out there is caring, really. I think that can be really powerful. So, I don't know if that made sense just now. But. Especially when they follow up with you. Yeah, because that's even more caring than just reading my post or listening to my story and giving a suggestion. Right. If there's follow-up later, it's like, oh, you really do care. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's enough to make things bearable, really. You know, like I think of people going through the first trimester and feeling really nauseous, and nearly 100% of the time there's nothing to do about it. You know, there's not, you know, you can just kind of be their cheerleader and, well, have you tried this? And, you know, if you want me to stop giving suggestions, that's fine, too. Like, I'm here. And just having someone to talk to about, like, not feeling good and just hear how hard it is for you, even when they can't do anything necessarily or suggest anything. It's going to be the magic solution. <laughs> um, it's so, so valuable. But, Yeah. So I guess that wraps up as far as what I was hoping to chat with you about today. If you have any last thoughts, you're welcome to go for it. I am here. I'm just thinking. Yeah, I don't really know that I do. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. Um, I really enjoyed chatting with you, and I think that was um, a really cool cool variety of things to talk about. I think we talked a lot about the self-care stuff as well as other things. Um, it hit a lot of the different aspects of self-care in pregnancy because um, there are so many. And and it's so, I guess, the parting words that I would send people off with is just I hope that people hear this and understand that you know, self-care and pregnancy, you know, we didn't really call it prenatal care, even though I think that is what prenatal care is, um, is just so crucial for everyone, whether they're having an unassisted pregnancy and birth or seeing an OB, whatever they're, wherever they are on the spectrum, it's really the most important piece as far as, like, the health of 
um, ourselves, our babies, the way our birth goes, all of it, the way the postpartum goes and breastfeeding, and um, that it's almost never about those numbers, even though they can be fun to do and you can totally do them yourself, whether it's blood pressure and fundal height and that sort of thing. Um, it's so much more, and it's usually so much more abstract than those concrete things. And so I hope people got a few ideas and got to peek into your life, Amy, a little bit about um, and hear about how that looks for you and your family. And just thank you so much for chatting today. Well, thank you for having me on. And um, as always, you can hear more podcasts and check out lots of articles and find other resources at our website, which is www.indiebirth.com. And hope to be back again maybe after you have your baby, Amy, and hope all of our listeners will join us for the next episode. So thanks, everyone.